Section thirty four of Feemy Returns to Ballycloran, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The McDermott's of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section thirty four. Feemy Returns to Ballycloran, Part One it will be remembered that father john had promised to take upon himself all the trouble attendant upon the preparation for thady's trial and with the view of redeeming this promise he went up to dublin and spent a week among the lawyers who were to be engaged for the young man's defence the chief among these was one mr o'malley and the priest strove hard to imbue that gentleman with his own views of the whole matter the day after that on which father john returned he saw both mr mckeon and the counsellor and explained to them as nearly as he could all that had passed between himself and o'malley though they were both greatly interested on thady's account they did not feel the same intense constant anxiety which now quite oppressed the priest and moreover trusting more to their own judgment than he did they were not so inclined to alter their preconceived opinion they both therefore assured father john that they were still quite sanguine as to thady's acquittal this raised his hopes again a little but nevertheless from that time till the trial he was so absorbed by his strong feeling on the subject that he was almost totally unable to attend to the usual duties and employment of his life it was decided that mr webb should use all his endeavours to obtain tidings of corney dolan and ascertain whether in the event of his being summoned he would be able to give any evidence respecting the meeting at mrs meehan's which would be of use to thady at the trial in this he was successful and he learnt from that respectable individual that he could swear that usher's name was not mentioned at all it must be owed that mr dolan's manner was not such as to inspire the counsellor with any great admiration for his veracity and his opinion in this respect was strengthened when the witness added that by gara if his orders thought it'd be any use in life to mr thady he'd swear as how he was asleep all the time or for that matter of that that he was out along with the gals dancing the live long night it was with difficulty that mr webb made him understand that he was only to swear to what he believed to be the truth and that if he told a single lie in answer to the numerous questions which would be asked him he would only be endangering mr macdermot's life father john undertook the more difficult task of explaining to feemy what it was she was expected to do at the trial and of making her understand that her brother's life depended on her making an effort to give her evidence in the court clearly and firmly on reaching drumsna he was much distressed to find that she was no longer at mrs mckeon's for two days after the conversation which had passed between that lady and her charge in which she declared her suspicions that feemy was enceinte the latter had made a great effort to recover her health or at any rate the appearance of health she left her bed earlier in the morning than she had ever done for the last five months she dressed herself with great care and for alas mrs mckeon's suspicion was but too true fastened her dress with a most dangerous determination to prove that the charge was unfounded patiently she endured all the agonies which this occasioned her during the first day and during the whole evening till the house was at rest and she was secure from being again visited 
on the next morning she went so far as to come down to breakfast and to undergo tony's somewhat rough congratulation as to her convalescence without betraying her sufferings after breakfast when he was gone out she again opened the subject of her return home and begged mrs mcgeehan to allow her to have the car to return to ballycloran mrs mcgeehan again put her off telling her that it would be necessary first to consult the doctor and that he would not be likely to call till the following day in the afternoon mrs mcgeehan with liddy and louis went out for a drive and as feemy was apparently so much better they asked her to accompany them but this she declined it's as well for her not to go out before the trial whispered mrs mcgeehan to her daughters poor girl she has a great deal a great deal indeed to go through yet indeed she had a very great deal to go through a very heavy atonement to pay for her folly and her crime as soon as the car was gone from the door she hurried upstairs put on her bonnet and cloak took a letter which she had already prepared and opening the door of mrs mcgeehan's own room put it on the table she then crept noiselessly downstairs opened the front door and passed into the street without having been seen or heard by either of the servants who were alone left with her in the house the following is the letter which to her great grief and surprise mrs mcgeehan found on her table when she returned dear mrs mcgeehan it is because i know you'd never let me go back to ballycloran that i've now gone away without telling you what i was going to do pray don't be angry with me indeed i'm very unhappy but i should be worse if you were to be angry with me i'm only a bother and a trouble to you here and i haven't spirits left even to let you see how very much obliged i am to you for all your trouble but indeed i am in my heart my dear mrs mcgeehan both to you and to dear liddy and louis who have been so very kind to me it is a deal better for me to be at home with my father my heart's nearly broken with all i've gone through but he'll bear with me for he's used to me give my compliments to dr blake pray beg him not to come to ballycloran i am in his debt a great deal already and how will i ever pay him besides i'm a deal better now as you see in health it's only the heart now that ails me give my kind love to liddy and louis i felt their kindness when the sorrow within me wouldn't let me tell them so now good-bye dear mrs mcgeehan don't be troubling yourself to come to ballycloran it'll be a poor place now i'll send catty for the things i remain dear mrs mcgeehan very very faithfully yours Feeny. p s indeed indeed it isn't the case what you were saying when mrs mcgeehan found the letter on her return she was greatly vexed but she could do nothing she couldn't go to ballycloran and fetch Feeny by force the falsehood with which the letter concluded was not altogether disbelieved but still she felt by no means certain that her former suspicions were not true and if so perhaps it was better for all parties that feemy should be at home she determined to call at ballycloran when feemy might be supposed to have settled herself and content herself for the present with hearing from the girl who came for the clothes that she had got home safe when father john called on the saturday she talked over the subject as fully with him as she could 
without alluding to the matter respecting which she was so much in doubt he declared his intention of seeing feemy on the following monday and of speaking to her strongly on the subject of the trial which was so soon coming on and he begged mrs mcgeehan to do the same afterwards as perhaps having become latterly used to her interference feemy might bear from her what she had to be told with more patience than she would from himself indeed i will father john but do you be gentle with her she's broken-hearted now you'll find her very different from the hot-headed creature she was before her sorrows began i fear she is i fear she is but mrs mcgeehan has she ever shown a feeling of regard a spark of interest for her noble brother it's that so annoys me in feemy i could feel for her weep for her and forgive her with all my heart all but that ah father john answered the lady it's not for me to preach to you but where would we all be at the last if our judge should say to us i can forgive you all but that god forbid i should judge her god forbid i should limit that to her which i so much need myself but isn't her heart hardened against her brother oh if you could have seen him as i have done this morning if you could believe how softened is his heart he had never much false pride in it it is nearly all gone now if you could have heard how warmly how affectionately he asks after his sister that won't mention his name if you could know how much more anxious he is on her account and his father's than on his own feemy's coldness and repugnance would strike you as it does me i'm afraid her chief sorrow is still for the rubber that would have destroyed her and has destroyed her brother of course it is father john and so it should be i'm a woman and a mother and you may take my word respecting a woman's heart no wife could love her husband more truly than feemy loved that man unworthy as he was he was all in all to her would it not therefore show more heartlessness in her to forget him that is now dead than the brother who killed him of course she loved him better than her brother as every woman loves the man she does love better than all the world how can she forget him be gentle to her father john and i think she will do what you desire father john promised that he would comply with mrs mcgeehan's advice and he was as good as his word on reaching the hall door of mrs mcgeehan's house feemy looked cautiously about her but seeing that no one belonging to the house was in sight she passed on through the little garden into the street she pulled her old veil down over her face and walked on through the village as quickly as she could she felt that every one's eye was on her that all the country was looking at her but she had made up her mind to go through it all and she persevered 
the last time she had been out of the house was the day she had been taken from ballycloran to the inquest that was a horrid day but the present seemed worse she had now a greater sorrow than any of which she was then conscious and she had to bear it alone unpitied and uncomforted indeed her only rest her only respite from absolute torture was now to consist in being alone and yet bad as the present was there was a worse she felt that there was a worse in store for her she already anticipated the tortures of that day when she would again be dragged out from her resting-place before the eyes of all mankind and placed in the very middle of the crowd conspicuous above the rest to be stared at bullied and questioned horridly about that dread subject which it even racked her mind to remember would she be able on that long long day days for what she knew to conceal her shame from all who would be looking at her and to bear in patience the agonies which it would be necessary for her to endure she walked on quickly and was soon out of drumsna and in the lane leading by the cottage to ballycloran by the time she had walked half a mile she was in a dreadful heat although it was still in march for she was so weak and ill that her exertion in proportion to her strength had been immense she sat down by the side of the road for a time and then continued and then again sat down her sufferings were soon so great that she was unable to walk above two hundred yards at a time and she began to fear that she would be utterly unable to get to the house once when she was sitting panting on the bank by the roadside one of the labouring peasants recognised her saw she was ill and offered to get her a country car oh what an agonising struggle she made to answer the man cheerfully when she assured him that she was quite well that she was only sitting there for her pleasure that she required no assistance and that she should walk home directly the man well knew that she was not there for her pleasure that her brother was in jail her father on the point of losing his property and that she was weak and in need of rest but he saw that she would sooner be alone and he had the good tact to leave her without pressing his offer for her accommodation at length she reached the avenue and had to pass the spot where she had sat so long on that fateful night listening for the sound of her lover's horse and watching her brother as he stood swinging his stick before the house she shuddered as she did so but she did walk by the tree where she had then sat shivering and at last once more stood on the steps of her father's house the door was fastened inside and she had to knock for admittance this she did three times till she thought she should have fainted on the flags and at last the window of her own sitting-room was raised and mary mcgovery's head was slowly protruded feemy was sitting on the low stone wall which guarded the side of the flags as she heard mary say in a sharp voice who's that and what are you wanting here oh by the mortals if it ain't miss feemy herself come back i declare and mary ran around and began to draw the bolts of the front door up jumped larry at the unwelcome sound from his accustomed seat by the fire what in the devil's name are ye after what are you doing 
ye old hag will ye be letting the ruffians in on me and he caught violently hold of mary's gown to drag her back before she had accomplished the liberation of the rusty bolts now go in sir and sit down said mary go in sir will you i tell you it's your own daughter and no ruffian whatever Drach the old man but he'll have every rag off the back of me don't i tell you it's miss feemy will you be easy now do you want to have me stark naked come away woman i tell you don't i know feemy's gone off away from me she'll never never come back it's regan and his hell-hounds you're letting in on me by this time mary had accomplished her object of undoing the door in spite of the old man's exertions and feemy entered weary and worn soiled with the road and pale and wan in spite of the hectic flush which reddened a portion of her cheek father she said when she saw the old man standing astonished and stupefied in the hall father don't ye know me won't ye speak to me why then feemy is it your own self in earnest come back again and where's your lover the man you married you know what were his name why don't ye tell me mary what's the name of the captain feemy married easy sir easy come in then and mary led him into his own room and feemy followed in silence with her eyes already filled with tears where's your own husband then feemy dear usher i mean captain usher it's he be welcomed with you now my pet and he began stroking his daughter's shoulders and back for she had still her bonnet on her head fate is not here now to be brow-beating and teasing him it's well be comfortable now the cold long nights for the captain will be bringing the whisky and the groceries with him won't he darling and thady the blackguards out along with keegan and they can't get in through the door for it's always locked and then turning to mary he said why don't you put the locks back you jade do you want them to be catching me the first moment i'm seeing my own darling girl here feemy could not say a word to her father his absolute idiocy and manner in which he referred to usher quite upset her and she sat down and wept bitterly what ails you pet continued the old man what ails you alanna they shan't touch him dear there you see the big lock's closed now he'll be safe from thady now darling oh miss feemy said mary he's quite beside himself aisy now sir aisy and don't be talking such nonsense don't ye know the captain got killed months ago last october killed and who dared to kill my darling's husband who dared to touch him why wasn't he here why wasn't he inside the big lock why don't you know and mary gave the old man a violent shake to refresh his memory don't you know mr thady killed him in the avenue may his father's curse blister him then may but i think they were telling me about that before eh, feemy he continued with a sigh 
it's a bad time i've been having of it with this tipsy woman since you're gone she don't leave me a moment's pace for a morning to night bad cess to her but i wish she were well out of the house i'll have you to mind me now and you'll not be bawling and shaking me as she does but she's always drunk he added in a whisper end of section thirty four feemy returns to ballycloran part one